Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Believe in Softball, presented by Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and we're mixing it up today with today's order, so let's go ahead and go through it. First, as usual, we'll cover our bases. I'll share some softball news and updates. Then we're actually going to head straight into the double play tip of the week to commemorate the first 25 episodes of the show here on the 26th episode. We're going to look back and play the greatest hits from the double play tip of the week. Now, as you know, we added this segment a while back to provide more insight into the game and give you tips every week on how to get better, both physically and mentally. So it's two for the price of one, just like a double play. And I've compiled seven tips that hit on the big aspects of the game itself. Seven, because of course, we need a full seven innings and we'll flow through them like a game. Plus, you know, we're in sort of this in-between zone right now. We would have been winding down from the Olympics, the NPF, and even a more robust travel ball season than we got. But yet, we're anticipating the start of the pro season with Athletes Unlimited. So it's kind of a good time for us to think and talk about how to get better. So let's jump in. Covering our bases, a league of their own is going to become a TV series ordered to Amazon. A league of their own is obviously the default favorite movie for softball lovers. It was really the only major one focused on women playing a bat and ball sport. And there were so many one-liners. I mean, I always try to remind myself to use that lump that's three feet above my ass. Probably a good reminder for all of us right about now. But this time we're going to get a new take on it. So the new show will still tell the stories of these women, these baseball players, but now it'll also be looking at race, sexuality, and other aspects. So Abby Jacobson from Broad City, which is a hilarious comedy, by the way, about two women slash friends in New York City, she is behind it and will star in it. So I'm excited about that. We also have some new softball gear in town. So Evo Shield, owned by Wilson, launched a new line of catcher's gear last week. And this was for both baseball and softball, but it includes features that can be softball specific. So for example, for the leg guard, it's two parts and it's really all about that custom fit. So the lower part of the leg guard is a gel to shell technology. That's what they call it because it's moldable to start. But then when you take it out of the packaging, it starts to harden within 30 to 60 minutes. So it'll actually mold to your body. It gives you a chance to do that and literally fit it to you. And within a day, it's hardened and ready to go. And if you pair that with the top part of the leg guard, it's really a custom fit that won't move around on you, which is pretty cool. The chest protector as well also has a moldable wire along the waist. So this can also adjust to a player's body shape. And then there are also adjustable back straps for the right fit. The design includes a specific fit for female athletes. And Aubrey Monroe from Team USA collaborated with them in all of the engineering and making it which is pretty cool. And also the fact that they have magnetic clips to put the gear on and off makes it so much faster, which is a huge plus. For the helmet, there's a couple options too, but they did collaborate with Windpact, which actually works really closely with the NFL to ensure that there was protection 
and compression and padding in key impact zones on the head. So really the helmet will be able to absorb more impact, which is great. The chin pad also includes compression and sits on the tip of the chin to allow for clear communication still, which is such an important part of the game for catchers. And overall, the ability for customization is just huge for softball players. It means the gear is actually better for female bodies. And we've seen that intent before with Jen Schroeder's line with Easton as well. But for years, softball players have been using gear made for male baseball players. That wasn't really right for their bodies. So this is another step towards breaking that mold. Speaking of, an NCAA panel approved rules to allow student athletes in all sports to wear patches on their uniforms for commemorative and memorial purposes, as well as to support social justice issues. So the patches are allowed in two different places on the uniform, one on the front or on the sleeve, and not everybody on the team has to wear the patch, but whoever is wearing the patch, they must be matching. And the other one is on the back where the player name is usually located, and these do not have to match among the players. But I definitely think that these patches are gonna be utilized a ton in softball with everything going on in the world and with all the anticipation leading up to next season, players and teams are really gonna to want to express themselves. And in a previous episode, I talked about the patch lady, as she's called, Carolyn Bledsoe, who's 75 years old and been sewing the NCAA Women's College World Series patches onto players' uniforms in Oklahoma City for 23 years now. So, you know, who knows? Maybe she'll get a little more work thrown her way. We'll see. And this past weekend was National Sisters Day, and ESPN actually featured sisters from recent years in several NCAA sports, including the Romero sisters, Sydney from Oklahoma and Sierra from Michigan, playing each other in the World Series, Kylie and Brianna Perez playing middle infield together for UCLA, plus Neka and Shanae Agwumake playing women's basketball in the Final Four. I went to school with them, they're friends of mine, so I had to give them a special Stanford shout out as well, of course. And lastly, Athletes Unlimited. As we've discussed, the season starts at the end of the month. It's almost here, it's crazy. And athletes have started to and will be starting to make their way to the bubble in Chicago where they'll be competing for the duration of the season. So one of our past guests, Victoria Hayward, who was actually the first to sign with AU, is using the Bandits facilities to get some work in in the meantime. So the countdown is underway. And while we wait for all the action, let's get our own work in, shall we? I mean, let's listen to those physical and mental tips to help you with your game. So here are the most foundational double play tips of the week from Believe in Softball. Tip number one, warmups. So this week's tip is about stretching and warmups. And physically, you know, you always do this before a game or at the beginning of practice. And many people default to do static stretching. And that means basically when you're standing or sitting still in a static position and stretching a certain body part. So for example, if you're trying to stretch your hamstrings and you stand up and just bend over and touch your toes, you're not really moving, that's a static stretch. But what's actually more effective to get the body going is a dynamic warm-up. Dynamic meaning that you're actually moving while you're stretching. So for example, another way to help stretch your hamstring in a dynamic way would be walking toe touches, or some people call them marches. So you lift one of your legs up in front of you as high as you can comfortably, keeping it fairly straight, and you touch your toes with your fingertips, opposite arm, opposite leg, right? And you keep taking steps forward and alternating legs as you go. 
And to take it even further, actually, with the movement, as one leg lifts, look to your other leg that's touching the ground and actually push off the ball of your foot and extend up off the ground. That's like how you'd push off the ground while reacting to make a play or base running, right? So you're basically touching your toes at the top and pushing off the ground at the same time. So you're almost stepping into or extending into the stretch. So since the goal is to get your body moving full speed for the game, then it makes more sense to gradually start moving in your warm-up, especially if those movements can simulate movements you might make in the game. It's easier than trying to go from a static state straight into full speed movement. So that's the physical piece. Mentally, there's a few ways that you can frame it in your mind. It's not just about warming up, it's about activating your body. So the movements activate your muscles, your joints, it wakes everything up. And when your muscles are activated, they can fire the way you want them to when you want to perform. So activation is key. But even though dynamic movement is important, it's still gradual and intentional during that warm up. Remember, we don't move fast to warm up, we warm up to move fast. So think of it that way. And lastly, Static stretching isn't useless, it's better than nothing, but it also can be effective for the cool down after the game or practice or lifting or whatever activity you're doing. As your body is winding down to rest and intentionally get back to that static state, static stretching can be useful. So think of it as dynamic warm-up, static cool down. That's the physical and mental side of stretching and warm-ups. Get moving. That's the double play tip of the week. Tip number two. Pitching. And this week's double play tip is about pitch location. And the idea is to be diligent. And I mean that in two ways. So, physically, there's a lot of different things you can do, but the one that I want to highlight today is focusing on your spins. So, there's two parts to pitch location. One is you want to get the ball to land in a certain spot when it hits the catcher's mitt. Pretty straightforward. The other, though, it's also about how it gets there. The movement, the path of the pitch comes from the spin. It might start in one place and break to another, and that's what makes it harder to hit. Even if you throw a fastball without a ton of movement, although honestly with the right snap, you can still have movement on your fastball, but you can still be fairly effective if you hit the right spots around the edges of the zone. But at the same time, being diligent with your spin will give you some movement, even if you miss your intended spot. Or if you're strategically trying to keep the ball out of the zone because you're ahead in the count, let's say, then you want your rise ball to start at the top of the zone so it breaks out of the zone. But if it doesn't break, then you're in trouble. So now is a great time to practice your spins. Just throw them into a net. Being diligent with those is one thing that helps you be effective in locating your pitches and maintaining control. But mentally, the way that we can think about this is just think about attacking the zone. Focus on hitting your spots and getting hitters to just miss. So your mentality is not necessarily to strike everyone out that you face. You just control what you can control, your approach and attacking your spots. It's kind of like hitting, you know, you shouldn't be thinking about, I'm trying to hit a home run and every single at bat. All you're thinking about is seeing the ball and just hitting it hard. And the home runs are going to naturally come from there, but you keep your visualizations simple. And that's why a lot of coaches you hear talk about just think line drives and hard ground balls. Well, as a pitcher, if you're hitting your spots, you can get hitters to just miss. Just miss hit the ball enough to hit a fly ball to your left fielder or a grounder to your second baseman. 
get them to just miss enough. They might still put the ball in play, but you let your defense work to get the outs. That's doing your job as a pitcher. And if you're diligent about hitting your spots first, the success, the strikeouts, and everything else will come naturally. That's the physical and mental side of pitch location. Be diligent with your spins and stay focused on hitting your spots. That's the double play tip of the week. Tip number three, throwing. So this week's double play tip is about throwing. So physically, it's about the strength of the throw. And to do that, you have to use your whole body. So to actually, just to call it having a good arm, that actually doesn't completely accurately describe it because to make a strong throw with some oomph behind it, you know, that requires you to leverage your body head to toe. So the biggest thing here that people don't always do is using your legs. So you keep a bend in them and you almost load off of your back foot and transfer your weight to your front foot the way you do in hitting, right? You even sync that transfer up with the rotation of your upper body at the same time. So you're leveraging that torque that will create momentum as your arm goes through its motion and you snap that ball out of your hand. This is also how to avoid arm injuries too. If you use your whole body, there's less stress on your shoulder or your elbow. So mentally, this is to me what helps with accuracy as well. You have to think about setting yourself up for success at all times. So the default should be to always position yourself in the direction towards your target. So let's, we'll start from the ground up with your feet. Let's say you're throwing to first base. Your lead foot, which is the opposite foot of your throwing arm, steps towards where you're throwing, okay? When you raise your arm to throw, your front hip and your front shoulder, so of your glove arm, are actually in line with your front foot pointed to first base. Some people point their glove to the target. Some people bend their arm and point their lead elbow toward the target. Either way, your feet, your hips, and your shoulders are aligned in the same direction. And you even want to turn your head that way. I mean, it makes it a heck of a lot easier when you're actually looking at where you're trying to throw. But with this, a quick release is also really important. And sometimes, you know, with fast runners, you just have to get rid of it like Jeter would do in the air in the 5-6 hole, the throw that he made famous. But he still aligned himself and leveraged as much momentum as he could. And for most plays, Ideally, you just get better and faster at setting yourself up this way and you get a feel for it. So that's the physical and mental side of throwing. Use your whole body to create strength and set yourself up for accuracy. That's the double play tip of the week. Tip number four, defense. This week's double play tip is about defense and getting ready for each pitch in the infield. The idea is to get moving. And I mean that in two ways. So physically, I want to focus on the lower half. Get your feet moving. Of course, you're going to be in your general athletic position where your feet are a little wider than shoulder width apart, your knees are bent, you're on the balls of your feet. Almost every sport has this position in it in some way, shape, or form. So that applies here too. And as the pitcher is in her windup, you're going to actually start moving your feet. So if you're a right-handed fielder, you're going to be thinking about three steps and it's left foot, right foot, left foot. So left, right, left. And the reason is because it's easier to move when you're already moving versus when you're standing still and you're having to start that movement from scratch. 
you're also going to have the right momentum to make a throw. So for a righty, when you set your feet to throw, you step or cross over with your right foot, then step with your left foot toward your target to throw. So this is why you end on that in your preparation here. It sets you up for that, the left, right, left. And obviously, if you're a lefty, you'll do the same thing, but you'll switch that around. So of course, as you're moving your feet in that strong athletic position, you're going to get low toward the ground. It's easier to come up than to go down in terms of reacting for anything hit. So you're going to get low. Don't let your butt sink, though. Use your legs. Of course, you'll have your hands ready in front of you, moving all in one fluid motion. And you're going to time your movement with the pitch for when the hitter can actually make contact and you react. Now, mentally, it's about preparation before each pitch. So you get your mind moving. First, you got to know the situation. Are there runners on? Do they have speed? Does the hitter have speed? How many outs are there? What's the count? Know all of that information. Then you're also going to want to go through all the different scenarios of what could happen if the hitter makes contact. What if the balls hit hard? What if the runner's stealing? One of the few times I'll actually endorse thinking about what if is right now. Think about what you will do in each situation. If this happens, I'll do this. If that happens, I'll do that. And then that allows you to make decisions more easily. So you think, do I have time? Should I get the force out? Can I get the lead runner? You're thinking these things when the ball is actually hit, but you've already done the preparation before. So you're prepared for all possible situations, and that makes it a hell of a lot easier to react. So what this is about is really sharpening both sides of the game. That's what's going to get you to that next level. So that's the physical and mental side of infield defense and getting ready for each pitch. Get your feet moving and get your mind moving. That's the double play tip of the week. Tip number five, hitting. And this week's double play tip is about slapping and your approach in each at bat. So the idea I want to focus on is to have awareness. And I do mean that in two ways. Physically, focus on your body awareness, particularly your alignment. So when you're slapping, that front foot, your right foot, takes the drop step and your back foot steps over for the crossover as you're starting your movement for the slap. When you're doing that, you want to make sure that your body is still aligned. You don't want your hip flying open. You want to be parallel to home plate and aligned going straight towards the pitcher. So having that awareness as you're going through your motion, because when you make contact, you want to make contact in a similar way that you're going to do it if you were hitting away, meaning your upper body, your hands, where you make contact is the same. Your lower body just happens to be moving, but you don't want to be taking off to first base. You want to keep parallel to home plate and go straight towards the pitcher. So that's the first piece physically, having that body awareness. But then on the mental side, it really does go back to preparation, being aware of the defense. So before you even step into the box as a slapper, really as a hitter in general, but especially as a slapper, you check the defense. You look at the infielders and see where they're playing. Oh, is a third baseman playing a little back? Should I drop a bunt right here? Is the shortstop shaded up the middle? Should I try to poke something through the five, six hole? Reading that defense and knowing the situation that you're in as an offense, how many outs, runners on, et cetera, knowing all that information, having that awareness helps you decide 
what's going to be the best next move for your team and how you can execute it. So sharpening both sides of the game, again, that's going to get you to the next level. So that is the physical and mental side of your slapping approach. Have awareness of your body and awareness of the defense. That's the double play tip of the week. Tip number six, base running. This week's tip is about base running, and we'll talk about the physical and mental side as usual. So physically, it's really about going full speed and being strategic in how you touch the bag. So for example, if you're running through first base, you want to hit the front of the bag with your foot, not the middle, not the back, because that's the closest part of the base. So it'd be the quickest that you'd be able to touch the bag. You also want to make sure that you're running full speed all the way through. So almost imagine that the base is maybe a few extra feet past the bag. So you just keep going. Now, if you're running to second base or taking extra bases in general, you want to hit the front inside corner of the bag on the left to push off towards the next base. And you take a slight angle as you're going into the bag, not like an exaggerated question mark, like a lot of coaches tell you when you're really young but a tight curve to position yourself to turn at the 90 degree angle. And of course, also run full speed in this case, meaning don't slow down to hit the bag, just keep going right through it. Then on the mental side, it's really about having an aggressive two-base mentality. So when you are running through first on something hit in the infield, let's say, when you hit the base, look over your right shoulder to see if there was an overthrow. Because if so, you can actually read that right away and take off towards second base without hesitation or even breaking stride. Now, if you're already running to second on something hit in the outfield, whether you hit it or you were on first base when your teammate hit it, doesn't matter. When you're about halfway between first and second, look at your third base coach. They might send you to take third, but if you hesitate just for a second because you didn't pick up your coach, you could miss the chance to advance another 60 feet. Now, sometimes if the ball's hit on the left side of the field, you can actually even read it yourself and judge based on your speed if you can take more bases. The key really in general is just no hesitation. So that's the physical and mental side of basic base running. Go full speed and have a two base mentality. That's the double play tip of the week. Tip number seven, recovery. And this week's double play tip is about recovery. Helping your body recover after playing or training. And I'm going to cover the mental part first this time because it applies to everything here. When it comes to recovery, think about having an active approach. When we're talking about recovery, it's not just about rest. Rest is when you literally stop moving or stop working. Recovery, if you look in the dictionary, is the action or process of regaining possession or control of something stolen or lost, or a return to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. It's an action, right? So true recovery is active. It's more than just resting. We've talked a lot about training and taking care of yourself, especially in our previous episode with Dana Sorensen, who's not just a former player at Stanford, but also a sports performance specialist now. And when you're feeling run down, it's not necessarily as simple as just being overtrained, but it could be that you're under-recovered. But what can you actually do to actively recover. That's the physical part. I've mentioned cooling down with static stretching before, but I wanna share five more quick options or examples that you can do with or without equipment. So a big one everyone knows is about ice. Absolutely do that, especially your throwing arm. That really should be a given. 
But I think the next level is to actually alternate cold and heat. Ice helps reduce inflammation and soreness, and heat helps relax your muscles. Alternating them keeps your body on its toes, so to speak, without getting too stiff. A good way to do this is if there's an ice bath and a hot tub in the training room, spend 30 seconds to a minute in each and alternate several times between the two. This is especially good for the lower half of your body. Your legs are doing a lot of work when you're training and playing. But if you don't have access to a facility, you can just get in the shower. Turn the shower to cold, turn it on over to hot and alternate that way. You're still able to get a similar effect even if you don't have that facility to jump into. And generally, this whole concept of alternating temperatures is good at the end of your recovery. But before that, it's actually good to put some pressure directly on your muscles with a foam roll, for example. You use the foam roll to roll on your quads, hamstrings, calves, your back, etc. Your body weight on top of it naturally provides pressure. And so it might hurt so good at first, but that's because it's actually doing its job. But without a foam roll, you could use a massage stick. And it's usually a stick just with handles on each end and a center that kind of spins and lets you roll. Just grab onto it and roll that over your muscles as well. It might not be as deep as a foam roll experience, but it's still good for them. It pushes out the extra lactic acid that builds up and can make muscles sore. That's what we're doing here. If you don't have a foam roll or a massage stick, you can even just use a softball itself to roll on. It's almost like a little tiny foam roll. I actually remember I had a roommate who was on the track team and she came back from practice one day with a softball. And I was like, what are you doing with a softball? But they had given it to them for recovery in this way. The next couple tips are actually about your feet. And you can do these immediately after training. The first is to elevate your feet. So what I mean by elevate is to lift your feet above your heart for blood flow. Your feet have been absorbing it all day and throughout your workout and circulation is important. Elevating allows the blood to flow down to the rest of your body and that blood flow helps those parts of your body function. And when we used to do conditioning in the weight room when I was in college, sometimes right afterwards, we just lay on the floor and prop our feet up on the wall. You really only need a wall to do this. It's nothing fancy. It's the same thing you do. That's why they say to elevate your feet if you sprain your ankle or if something's swollen, it's the same concept, but you're just doing it proactively. The other thing you can do for your feet is get away from just a basic flat surface. So you can actually remove your shoes and walk on a cobblestone mat. It's basically a small kind of patch, almost like a rug, I guess, with man-made pieces on it that sort of simulate stones, almost like a rocky riverbed or what you see on a cobblestone street, hence the name. And you can walk on it or stand and kind of shift your weight back and forth on the surface if it's a small surface. Using your body weight to just put pressure on your feet on top of this kind of surface helps with mobility and balance. If you don't have a mat, you can try to find the equivalent in nature or something similar. For example, my sophomore year, I remember our first tournament was in Hawaii. And one of the days, our recovery assignment from our strength and conditioning coach was to literally just kick off our shoes and walk barefoot on the sand at the beach. Kind of the dream, but it was because it had this sort of effect on our bodies and probably mental health too. The last thing I'll mention is sleep. And I know I said that like, hey, recovery is not just about rest, but I'm not just talking about taking a day off or passing out, taking a nap. I'm talking about logging the hours of sleep that your body needs. Because when you sleep, that's actually when your body rebuilds itself for the next day. 
Your brain might not be active since you're obviously unconscious, but your body is still going through its process. And actually scheduling and prioritizing sleep time in the first place is still being proactive and sometimes harder than it sounds. And really all you need obviously for this is your bed, so simple enough. There are many, many ways to recover. These five are just a really good start. So that's the physical and mental side of recovery. Keep an active approach. That's the double play tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and Believe.com. Subscribe, share the episodes, rate and review the show, please, especially those of you with iPhones and that Apple Podcasts app. Hit me up on Twitter at JennaBecerra01 and Instagram at JennaBecerra, as always. Thank you again for listening, and I'll catch you soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.